When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's not about the corner office. It's not about the fancy title. It's not even about the extra money. Responsible leadership is about taking care of those who choose to follow you, and that care takes on many forms. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you the best guests with the best advice to help you succeed in that endeavor. The Responsible Leadership Podcast is a production of The Leadership Phalanx. To find out more about me and what I do, visit leadershipphalanx.com. That's leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X.com. And now, on to today's show. All right, listeners, welcome to this episode of the Responsible Leadership Podcast. My guest today is none other than Xander Sprague. Xander, thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. And, and for listeners, uh, Xander is author of three books, including his most recent, and one we'll talk about quite a bit here today, Epic Begins with One Step Forward, Plan, Achieve, and Enjoy the Journey. Uh, Xander loves speaking to audiences around the world and is nicknamed the God of Enthusiasm because of his contagious energy and passion. He is a popular speaker, trainer, and podcast host in his own right. And he's here today to help us plan, achieve, and enjoy the journey. So, Xander, with all of that in mind, I'm really, I'm really excited to hear uh, how you answered the first question I ask all my guests. When you hear the words responsible leadership, what does that mean to you? Well, Earl, you know, I, I've been thinking about that. And I think the first thing is uh, that responsible leadership to me means that um, the buck stops with me. Uh, if I'm the leader, then I'm the one who is responsible for the people that I'm, uh, that I'm leading. Uh, and um, I need to take ownership for my actions and I also need to be aware of what actions they've taken and, and, and own it. It's not always easy, but it is what responsible leadership is. Man, I love that last piece because I think that sums it up perfectly. It's not always easy, but that's what responsible leadership is. And, and that is true with a lot of things, right? They're, they're not always easy, but it's a lot of times those things that aren't easy that, that give us the most benefit out of life, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's what creates our epic life. Well, yeah. So let's get into that. So epic begins with one step forward. So um, doing my due diligence, listening to some of the other interviews you're on, um, when you use the word epic, you don't really mean just the dictionary definition of what epic means, right? I, I nah, not, not at all. I mean, certainly epic, I think, uh, visually invokes a lot for people, um, and and it should. Epic is a it's it's a big word. It it 
denotes um, uh, greatness, right? But uh, I came up with my own, I thought about it, and I said, well, what does epic mean to me? And here's how it breaks down. Every pilgrimage involves commitment. Mm. Now, I'm not really talking about people here pilgrimage, and and that might bring up uh, some religious connotations, but that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our own personal uh, uh, pilgrimages to achieve these things that are very big for us. And um, I think there's absolutely commitment in achieving something that has meaning to you and that is most likely difficult. Because here's the thing. I think we all have epic things we'd like to do in our life, and yet we come up with reasons not to be doing those things. And that's really a lot of that has to do with our interpreting that it is difficult or it's going to take a long time. So if, if we think about a pilgrimage, a pilgrimage is you are going from one place to try and get to another place. And so, yeah, of course there's commitment. How else are you going to get there? Well, yeah, no, a hundred percent. And what you said just rings a hundred percent true to me. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's it's the foundation of like when I joined the Marines that that was it right was you know they they sell that 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 struggle they sell that commitment I remember uh, listening to Simon Sinek one time he was talking about the Marines and their advertising right he said you know the Army says you know come with us and be all you can be and then the Air Force talks about aiming high and all that good stuff says you know the Marines basically say you know look there's a pretty good chance that you're not good enough to be one of us, but just in case you think that you can, here's how you can get a hold of us. Yeah. Um, but, and, and, and it's that, that I love the fact you use journey and commitment because, you know, everything that's worth doing requires uh, a, a level of commitment that most people are going to sit back and look at you and think you're crazy for having. Right. Well, well let's, I mean, absolutely. But Earl, let's let's go to some uh, an epic journey that everyone's been on. That mm-hmm. is learning to read and write. Yeah, that is in and of itself an enormous journey, and it is hard, and it is difficult. There's most likely some tears involved, and yet. Most people wouldn't think of that as an epic journey, but I look at it and say, "Well, I didn't know how to. Do, I didn't know how to read and write. Now I do." Yeah, that's that's, and and that's a pilgrimage. Yeah, and one of the things I love that you 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 talk about, and and you kind of mentioned it before, is is you know that even with that, that's something that looks a little bit different to everybody, right? Some people may you know have. Um, you know, learning issues, right? Where learning to read and write is a lot harder for them than it is a quote traditional learner, but they're still on the, uh, on that same journey. It just looks completely different to them, right? Absolutely. And, and look, we are all individuals. So the how and 
you know, the how we do something, the tools that we learn to use to to get it done are different. Um, but ultimately, if you are successful, if you get to where you want to, to be, you're successful. Doesn't matter how you get there. Um, you know, one of the things I've done in the past, and I, I talk about it in my book, uh, Epic Begins with One Step Forward, is running marathons. Um, something I always dreamed of doing. I grew up outside of Boston. I grew up watching the Boston Marathon. I thought, oh, that would be fun to do someday. And then many years later, when I started to run and started to do half marathons and, and then a marathon, I, I was like, I really want to run Boston. But I came to realize that uh, running Boston's no small feat. Now, I want to be absolutely transparent and say, I did not time qualify. There is no way that I would ever time qualify for Boston. You have to run really fast, and I just don't move that quickly. Right. However, I did, I did get to run it in 2014 because my younger sister – um, was doing some work with Adidas and they're a corporate sponsor. And she asked them and they were kind enough to give me uh, a sponsor bit, which was phenomenal. Let me tell you. I mean, that was beyond bucket list. That was like holy grail moment of getting to run that. But the way in which I run a marathon is obviously a lot different than one of the elite runners. Right. But we still covered the same distance. We still are are both Mar- Boston Marathon finishers. Yeah. Well. Uh, so hopefully my listeners here are are clicking with this story because uh, I've shared it on here a, a few times before. But are you familiar with the story of of an Australian gentleman named Cliff Young? Uh, no. I I, I might have heard it, but I can't remember it offhand. So why don't you tell me? Okay, no, I love uh, I love it because it ties in so well with what you just said. So Cliff Young, I can never remember the year. I want to say it was early '90s, but he shows mm-hmm. up. They were running an ultra marathon from uh, Sydney to Melbourne, Australia. And I want to say mm-hmm. it was about 540 miles, somewhere mm-hmm. in that neighborhood. Well, Cliff Young shows up. I want to say he was 62. Yep. He's wearing bib overalls. He's wearing muck boots. Yeah. And he's got his false teeth out because he says when he runs, they would cling together, they would clack together. And so he just took them out. Yeah. Well, there's all of these elite athletes there and they're Nike, they're Adidas, mm-hmm. all these things. And they're looking at him like, you know, this guy's a joke or whatever, right? Well, there's a lot of go- a story that goes into it, but for sake of brevity, fast forward. He finishes in first place, 10 hours ahead of second place, and he had set a new time record by, I think it was almost a day, if I remember, like mm-hmm. 22 hours. Wow. And, and it was what you just said. He didn't run the same way. Basically, what it boiled down to is he didn't know that he was supposed to, that, that all of the elite athletes would run for like 16, 18 hours a day and then sleep and eat. He just slept, ate, and kept moving the whole time because... That was his experience with life. He, his family, uh, they, they, they were uh, sheep herders, mm-hmm. um, and he just would spend days chasing sheep so he could run for days. That's what he knew. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the the kind of the culmination of that story, 
is uh, when they went back and they looked at his stride, kind of like what you were saying, I don't run that fast, but I can keep going. That was it. He had a motion that allowed him to keep moving. He didn't have to rest. Right. And he changed ultra marathon running forever. Uh, all because he was willing to take that one step forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great story. Love it. <laughs> so, uh, and I guess that's the thing, right? So again, going back to, you know, everybody's got the, the thing that they've got to be committed to that makes other people think, wow, that's weird. When I hear people talking about running marathons, look, I've ran five miles before. That's the farthest I've ever ran. I hated it. I hate running. Purple passion. Every time I've ran, there's been somebody big, mean, nasty, yelling and screaming at me, making me run. Sure. Uh, so it doesn't make sense to me, but I think that's part of it, right? Is it? It's unique to you. It's something you love and want to achieve, right? Abs- yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, I, I'm when I talk about my marathoning, I'm really honest about it because I, I don't. There's no need to for, for me to oh false bravado or whatever. Okay, I used a run walk strategy. That meant I ran for some, I walked a little. I ran for some, I walked for a little. That's actually a really proven technique to cover twenty six point two miles. Twenty six point two miles is a really long way. Yeah. Well, and 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 you know, there's there's stuff. I mean, the thing I joke about is I'm slow. I mean, I'm really, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It turns out that I am not faster than an 85 year old woman because I met her on my flight back to California. She, she had won her age group and I looked up, you know, where she finished. She, she finished like two minutes ahead of me. So, uh, and I'm not trying to take anything away from her because good Lord, at 85 to be able to run the Boston Marathon. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. That 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 is a completely impressive. Like I hope I could I could run a, you know, 2.6 miles when I'm 85, much less 26.2. Good. Yeah, Lord. no doubt. <laughs> so, um but but I think that's the thing, right? And and I love the fact that you use marathon running because of the of the historical tie-ins, but you know, it is it is I think it's the perfect metaphor right because it doesn't matter if you're the elite athlete that that can run it in you know just a a few hours time or if you're the person that takes you know six seven hours whatever it ends up being every single person has to take that first step before they the timer even starts for them right absolutely and and you know there's a famous saying every marathon every journey begins with one step and it's true it's true. You know, anything that, that, that we're doing is, it, it does start with that, that, that first step. And I think what happens with people is when they think about their epic, they, they start to think about all the different things they have to do. And, and there's almost an inertia that happens. They're overwhelmed by all of the things. But, but here's the thing, Earl. All you're going to do is take one step today and then tomorrow another step. When I first signed up, when I first decided to run a marathon, I joined Team in Training, which is a fundraising uh, arm of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So in exchange for 
raising some money for them. They trained me how to run a half marathon to start off with. And I was handed a training schedule. And boy, howdy, was that a great thing. Because all I had to do was worry about what it said I needed to do today. So today it says, go run for 30 minutes. I went and ran for 30 minutes. I'm done for the day. I did my training. I get to move on and do other things I need to do in my life. And then on Saturday, maybe it says, go run 15 miles. Now, look, that wasn't necessarily easy, but I'm like, I had worked my way up to it. So I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that. And as I got progressed in the training, it'd be like, oh, I only had to run eight miles today. Yeah. And and, um, I'm sure for you, when you were in the Marines and going through boot camp, You know, maybe you guys do all this training, but maybe you don't have to do as long a run. And as you progress through training, all of a sudden you only had to do a five mile run versus a 10 mile run. And and you hear yourself going, oh, well, gee, we only have a five mile run today. (laughs) All right. You know, (laughs) I mean. Yeah, well, and I think what you said there, oh, man, that is, that is so profound because it's it's a hundred percent true. Is you know, um, again, I've never actually ran one, but I've heard this said before that the easiest way to ensure that you never finish a marathon is to start trying to run twenty six point two miles. You you start like you said, you start by running a mile, you start by running ten minutes, and then you you build from there. Because if you go out day one and try to run twenty six point two miles. If you make it, and you're not an elite athlete, if you make it, you're going to be sore. You're going to have blisters. You're going to have chafing. You're going to have all these things, and you're going to say, you know what? Mm-mm, no. But if you build up to it and you take it in these bite-sized kind of milestones, like you said, the next thing you know, you're running a marathon. Right. And, and, and just like I talk about in my book, it's what I call the pizza analogy. Now, do you like pizza, Earl? Oh, <laughs> I love pizza. It gives you all four food groups in one bite. Absolutely. But I have a question. When you get a pizza, do you eat the whole pizza in one bite and just just all at once? No, uh, nope. it's sliced up. Now, look, you may do that if you were a teenage boy and your brother or your best friend's there. You might have to eat the whole thing at once just because if you don't, they will. But that's not my point. <laughs> my point is, for, for all of the listeners, we eat a pizza one slice at a time. And you don't worry about the second slice as you're eating the first slice. You just, and, and I think that's really applicable is whatever your epic goal is, and I'm not here to tell you what your epic is. I don't know what it is. For some people, maybe it's going back to school or running a marathon or traveling to a country they've dreamed of going to or writing a book. All of that is possible. And what I found through my marathon running is that I like structure. Structure makes me feel really comfortable. And I also, I also am a licensed professional clinical counselor. So in studying, you know, mental health and psychology, I was like, I really believe that most people actually like structure. It makes us feel comfortable. It's predictable. We know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you drive to the store, are, are you particularly stressed about the drive to the store? 
No, no. Those those schemas, those mental models, that automatic pilot kicks in, right? Right. And, and, and you know where to go. But imagine you get into your car, Earl, and you say, I really need to go to the supermarket. And you take a left and you take a right and you go straight or whatever. And you hope that you get to the supermarket. Maybe you get lucky and you just make the the correct amount of turns without too much time going on and you make you make it to the store. But there's structure. I know how to get to the store. I'm not stressed about it. But when we drive someplace new, there's a little more stress. Uh, where do I have to go? Where's that exit? Um you know, it's made a little easier by technology that tells us that the exit's coming up on 500 feet. But even then, there's a little stress about going someplace new. Well, yeah, and 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 again, you talk about technology. So, so there's there's two things there that come to mind, right? Is is you know, and I think it's a good metaphor is technology. So, uh, you know, in one of my former jobs, I uh, I traveled all over the state of New Mexico, and it was always crazy to me uh, how that little uh, navigation box would, would tell me, Hey, uh, you need to take a left in, in 100 feet. And I get there and it's almost literally just a wagon trail going off into the middle of nowhere. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, if I take this, there's no way this vehicle is making it down that road. So, (laughs) you know, so, so we can get, we can get run astray by, by those mental models or the, the technology, right? Absolutely. But, but I think, we all have multiple epic journeys that we may want to go on in our life. And I really, my, my whole point of the book and what I talk about and what I'm doing with companies and stuff is we should be going for those, right? It is, it, it is incredible to say, I'm on the, I'm doing this thing that I've always wanted to do. And Look at the steps I'm doing. Look at the progress I'm making. Um, I think it's I, I think it's great. I, I've been on multiple epic journeys. I went back to graduate school at 45 because I'm like I really need my master's and I want to be I want to get licensed. I had over 3,000 hours of internship I had to do here in California before I could take the licensing exam. Mm. I finished my hours in February of 2020. I was all excited. Oh, no. March came, and all my plans, everything I've been working up towards for the last seven years, changed. I couldn't take the licensing exam. I couldn't go speak at, you know, companies or do events or anything. So what am I going to do? And as I sat in my apartment thinking about that and wondering, what do I do now? I did have this epiphany that you want to know what I'm on an epic journey and it begins with one step. And that's all I got to do is take one step forward. And that's where the idea for the book came. And it's really cool. My book came out last week. It's an Amazon bestseller in multiple countries. That's really cool. I would (laughs) never have imagined that. That's awesome. Because here's the amazing thing, Earl. I'm a talker, not a typer. Yes. Okay. I mean, I love to talk, as you can tell, but I, I don't really like writing. And I, I, if you told me back 
my 20-year-old self that I was going to be the author of three books, I would say, you've been drinking or you might be taking drugs or something, because there's no way. I, 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 I can't write a book. And yet, here I am. I've written written three books. So it's it's amazing what all of us can do. It's amazing the epic journeys that we that we can go on. We just have to take that one step forward. No, you know what? I, I'm really loving this conversation here, Xander, because I think that maybe you and I were were separated at birth because I'm in the same exact boat. Uh, I love to talk, right? That's why I do the podcast. And and everybody keeps telling me, man, you got to write the book. You got to write the book. And I'm I'm like, yeah, but I like to talk. I don't like to write. And uh, well, but, Okay, I so Earl, Earl, you can do that. I wrote my first book because I dictate. I sat down to try and write. I'm like, I can't do it. Yeah. So uh, don't fight. Don't fight the way you naturally are. If you like to talk, you could dictate it. There's technology today where you can take, oh, for example, this fabulous podcast, put it through uh, some tools that will transcribe it for you using AI. And then you'll have some words that you can then, you know, manipulate around and stuff like that. So yeah. it's it's kind of like um it's kiss. Yeah. <laughs> keep, keep, keep it, keep stupid it simple. simple. Exactly. Keep it simple. Yeah. No, yeah. and I love that. And and so that kind of goes I mean you you were right on track with, you know, kind of where I was going it is is you know the for you you're right i mean and and there's a part of me like i know that that stuff exists i use uh some of those those pieces for other things but it, it, it's me right and, and i i think that's the question where i was going to go next is uh you know whether it's ourselves or other people like when i told my friends in high school that i'd signed up for the marine corps i, I had at least a couple dozen people be like yeah you're never going to make it through that boot camp's too tough it's never going to happen uh, but, but, you know, how, how, why and how, okay, why are we wired to listen to the naysayers more so than the we can do it folks? And how do we kind of overcome that and not be the naysayer ourselves? Okay. Well, so a couple things here. Um, <laughs> first of all, the meanest person in your life is you. Yeah. We say the meanest things to ourselves, and I don't, I, I don't get it. I mean, we are so mean. We say the meanest things to ourselves. You can't do that. You're not smart enough. You, you can't write a book. You can't, you know, you're not going to be successful. And imagine if your best friend said just one of those things to you. You'd be devastated. Right. Yeah. 100%. And 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 I I I have some I I have this wide ranging theory, but I I call it the ninety seven three rule. Okay. Okay. And the ninety seven three rule is, I believe that ninety seven percent of your day today, Earl, is actually really good, and up yeah. to three percent may not be so good. Now, obviously, there's some days where we have just a really terrible day. I'm not going to I'm not going to say it's all sunshine and daisies all the time. But in general, most of us our, our day is going along pretty is going along really well. 
And yet we somehow focus on that up to 3% and completely ignore that 97, right? And I, 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 in my, in my internship, I was working in a school-based setting. I was in middle school and high school, and a lot of my clients uh, were having academic challenges. And so I'd ask them, you know, what's your least favorite class? Math seemed to come up quite a lot. And I agree. I, I really didn't like math. Yep. So I asked, I asked my clients, if you got a 97 on your next math test, how, how would you feel? Their faces lit up. Oh, my God, I'd be so excited. It, it would be awesome. It would be so great. I would be, you know, just telling my parents, I, oh, my gosh, that'd be great. I'd go, would you be complaining about the three points you didn't get? Are you kidding? I had a 97. That was, this is amazing, right? Yeah. So, so I, I got thinking. I thought, well, if 97% of my day is actually pretty good, why am I complaining about the three percent? I actually got it. I, I got it. I got it mainly right. Then I got thinking. I have no idea. I mean, I like baseball. I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I, I like baseball and and stuff. And if you think about it, people who make it into the Hall of Fame have a lifetime batting average of over three hundred. Right? That's considered Hall of Fame. Awesome. And it is. I'm not, I'm not in any way discounting. I, I couldn't do what, what, what they do. Yeah. But that means that they only got it right about one third of the time. Earl, imagine if we considered ourselves successful, if we only had to be successful 33% of the time. Yeah. I mean, that perspective hopefully is like sort of a, uh, uh, eye opener for people and go, imagine I only have to get, get it right for one third of the time. Let's, <laughs> let's say you work <laughs> overall with lunch and stuff. You're at work for, ni- for nine hours. You, you, you got to get your job right for three hours out of that. And you could mess up for six hours and still be considered highly successful. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of time it's the perspective. It's how we're looking at something. Well, I, and I agree. And, and, and it's funny you mentioned sports analogies there because as you were sharing that, so I, uh, I'm a big hockey fan. Uh, okay. Big, I like Na- hockey too. Yeah. Big, big Nashville Predators. I grew up in Tennessee. So, um, but I heard, I heard somebody one time talk. I can't remember who it was now. But kind of they going along the same lines. It says, you know, everybody kind of wants to, you know, talks about what's the most stressful uh, position in all of sports. Is it the NFL quarterback? Is it the, uh, you know, is it, it the power forward in the NBA? You know, what is it? And he says, I'm here to tell you right now, it's a goaltender in the NHL. Oh, so think about yeah. it. He says, you go out there, you do your job perfectly, 93% of the time. But, mm-hmm. but that 7% that you screw up, there's a big red light that goes off and a siren and tells everybody that you just messed your job up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but it's, it's perspective, right? I mean, you're, you're right. In, 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 uh, in, in one sport, you know, being right a third of the time is, is Hall of Fame career. And in another epic journey, uh, hockey, you know, if you don't do your job correctly 93% of the time, you're considered a failure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and 
you know, in terms of, of kind of what, what do we do when we're on this epic journey and there are those, those naysayers? Well, mm-hmm. don't listen to them. Why are you giving them any kind of credence? It's kind of, it's kind of like if I'm follically challenged, which is a nice California way of saying I'm bald. <laughs> I like that. Well, because, you know, we, we can't say we don't have homeless people. They're residentially challenged or residentially underserved. It's, it's, it's great. However, <laughs> if I'm walking down the street and someone goes, hey, Baldy, and I don't know them, it, it doesn't bother me at all. Now, I'm not bothered about the fact that I was losing my hair and I shaved my head. I I'm just never really – my hair doesn't make me who I am. So, it's not, it's not a big deal. But my point is, if you walk down the street and some total random person says something negative to you, it probably doesn't bother you because you don't know them and it doesn't matter. But when people that we know say something even slightly negative, it, we, we let it affect us. And I'll, and, and I'll quote Eleanor Roosevelt. No one can make you feel bad without your permission. Yeah. And that's really true. If if you just say, if you don't believe in me, I'm sorry, but I, I am doing it. I am going to make it through the Marine Corps basic training. Yeah. And, and I think the other key part there is is a lot of times when it happens, especially like you said with strangers, is that's something that's like it, it, it's in the moment, right? They're lashing out for some reason. They don't feel good about themselves or whatever. And and but but we make it this whole big personal. Uh, thing like why doesn't that person like me what did it ever do to them and 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 like you said we give it way too much weight and uh you know a, a good acquaintance of mine uh, larry wingett he he always says uh I, I i like larry yeah he's good stuff i love it yeah, but, yeah. Uh, i love what he says when he says uh he goes while you're sitting there wondering what they think about you they aren't oh and it's so true yeah, I mean it's so true. Like they're, I was again working with adolescents. Oh my God, the, uh, he likes me. He doesn't like me. She likes me. You know, my best friend. You know, whatever. And I'm like, I got news for you. They're having the same trip that you are, and you're not thinking about them. You're thinking about you. Yeah. And and I think. Um, when we're on our epic journeys, we have to believe unfailingly that we're going to make it. And there are the absolutely there are uh, potholes and detours and stuff, but you you just got to do it. I mean, when I was running those marathons, there were some really tough miles there. But I had broken down, mentally, I had broken down the race to help me. My first goal was 13.1, because then I'd done more than half the race. Then it was mile 17, because now I only have nine miles left. I'm single digits. I've made it to single digits. Then it was mile 20. Well, look, if I made it to mile 20, it's only at 10K in. And I kind of got this. And then I got to count the miles down until I had success. Yeah. No, I, I love that. Again, it's, it's breaking it up. And I love the fact that you use, uh, you know, those detours there, because I'll tell you right now, 
having driven around a lot of this great country of ours, some of the most uh, some of the most beautiful sights I've seen is because uh, of forced detours that that got me off the beaten path. And and uh, yeah, it's amazing what's out there, right? It is. And, and look, I, again, I guess because I'm a student of psychology and I, I, I observe myself and, and my, in the world around me, I sit there and say, we are creatures of habit. I will absolutely own that I like my patterns and I, my yings and yans get thrown off if something isn't right, right? You, you kind of, and again, we like structure. Structure makes us feel comfortable. So uh, I used to work in the corporate world and I had to drive down to Silicon Valley and I had the most efficient way. And that's the way I drove for, for two years. And then I had a day where I couldn't go that way because there was a huge accident and the freeway shut down. I'm like, oh, how am I going to get home? So I was forced to take a detour. And what I found out was it was a much, much simpler drive. It was a lot more beautiful and it only took me about 10 minutes longer. And some days that, that extra 10 minutes was well worth, you know, that, that was well worth it. Um, and so as we look at our lives and we look at the patterns and we sort of feel like we're in a rut, I challenge everyone who's listening to say, is there an is there another path? Because there isn't just one path for us to get to our goal. If we entertain that there's multiple paths that will get us to our destination, I think we're much better. We're we're like, oh yeah, there isn't just one way to do it. Yeah. Well, so you know, I can just hear our listeners right now, right? They're like, Earl, Sander, you guys are all over the place. You're talking about running. You're talking about math. You're talking about riding. You're talking about hockey and baseball and driving yeah. back and forth to work. How do I find my epic journey? I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I'm in a rut. I don't know what epic well, looks like to me. How do I find it? Okay. Well, first of all, I think we all uh, – I did a little informal research. I said, what is something epic you want to do? And I did this to my friends and family. Everyone has an idea of what they, that thing they really want to do. And again, it could be traveling to, traveling to visit some country. It could be writing a book. It could be changing the way they eat. It could be any of these things. I think we're all really aware of what our epic is, but we just aren't doing anything to go forward. If you feel sort of stuck in that, make a list. Write down the things that are your bucket list things. What are the things that I really want to accomplish? Pick one of them. Pick something. Maybe you, you, you pick a low-hanging uh, low piece of fruit, as they say, and say, let me get that. Let me have some success with that. Ooh, look at that. I did that. Now I want to go on to this next one. But I, I do believe that if you are willing to go on the pilgrimage and have the commitment, you really will be successful. Yeah. No, I, I like that. I like that. Now, as a responsible leader, how do I encourage and support my team to, to find and go on their epic journeys? 
I'm going to give you two words Go that I it. think all of us should have. And as leaders, I think is really important. Not yet. Okay. Not yet is so, is full of so much optimism and power, right? Earl, have you written your book? Not, Not yet. yet. Okay. It, it it doesn't say no. If you just say no, it's almost like you, you, you put a stop sign there. Yeah. No. Not yet says, I haven't done it. I haven't done this yet. There are things that I want to do. I may never get to it, but my answer is not yet because I'm optimistic that those things will happen for me. For months, I said, I want to be an Amazon best-selling author. Has it happened? Not yet. But, but now it did. And that's, that, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome, right? Um, as a leader, not yet it could be so empowering for the people that are working with you because when it doesn't go right, when, when you hit a pothole, not yet. Yeah, we, we'll get there, right? Um, I know that you, you were in the military. A lot of the people listening were in the military. There's times where you're doing something and it, and it, you, you don't get it right. Yeah. Right. The, the, you get a flat tire. The Jeep gets a flat tire. The, you know, you're, you're, if you're in training and uh, your practice, your simulation uh, doesn't go right. Did we get it? Not yet. I'm going to go back and do it again. I'm, I'm learning. I'm using what, what didn't go right as an opportunity to understand how not to do something. Yeah. And, and being able to appreciate, uh, you know, what the outcomes are of those things that, that didn't go right. I'll, I'll share this one with you. Um, this was not that long ago. Um, I was running out to, you know, local restaurant to, to grab some, some takeaway and, and bring back home. And, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm pulling out, uh, uh, of the driveway and I, I get ready to turn on the main road and I realize I forgot my wallet. I'm mm-hmm. mad. I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. How am I that stupid? Right. Turn around to go home and get back on track. And I'm being a little dramatic here in all honesty, even at the it's time, because okay. it was like a minute, right? I mean, it was literally like a minute, mm-hmm. but I get to, uh, I get to an intersection to turn left and I see a police car and an ambulance zooming through. And I get down to the intersection where I was, uh, where I was supposed to turn. And there was a fatal car accident. Oh man. And, I'm sitting there. I'm talking to one of the people at the restaurant. It's like, yeah, man, it happened like literally just a minute ago. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? If I hadn't have forgot my wallet, maybe that's me sitting there in that pile, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 sometimes those detours, sometimes that flat tire, we may hate it. We may think it's derailing our epic journey, but sometimes it can actually be helping us out, can it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and again, it's all of this is about your perspective. How do I choose to look at something? And 
I was reading a book uh, many years ago, um, and of course now I'm completely I'm going to reference a book, and I want to believe I believe it was called The Diamond Cutter, and it was talking about uh, the the diamond industry and a and a, a Buddhist monk who who was working in that and and talking about it, but there was. The thing that I pulled from that, which I really, I always liked, was that in Buddhism, there's a concept that uh, nothing is good or bad, it's how we interpret it. Right. Okay, so today is a beautiful sunny day here in California. We are, we haven't gotten the rain we need, we're, we're in a drought. Now, I can either say, wow. Look, it's a beautiful sunny day. That's a great thing. Or I could say, oh my gosh, this is horrible. The sun is out. We need rain. It's terrible that, that the rain is out. The sun being out isn't good or bad. It's how I interpret it, right? Yeah. The things that go on in our day aren't inherently good or bad. It's how we're choosing to interpret that. Yeah. No, I, I, I love and I appreciate that. And I think my listeners will too. I reference, I'm a big fan of Stoic philosophers and uh, I reference uh, Epictetus quite a bit on here and his, uh, you know, men are disturbed not by things, but the view of which they take of them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, Xander, look, I have loved this conversation. Time has flown. We're coming up on 45 minutes here. Oh brother. my. I know it's a, I, th- I feel like we got another three or four hours in us here, uh, but uh, you know, I, I'm really curious here. Is there anything that we haven't had a chance to, dis- uh, to discuss yet uh, that, that you want to leave listeners with? You know, I, I think I've, I've covered all the, you know, all the nuggets I wanted to, to impart I've been able to do and I'm just looking going, yeah, boy, I, I covered it all. I mean, I do really want to, um, the not yet seems to really resonate and I want people to really embrace the not, not yet. Have I not yet? Cause I think it opens up so much possibility for for all of us to achieve achieve what we're doing and understand that some I was on a seven year epic journey that's yeah. a long that's a long way yeah and 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 I just kept have, have I got my hours not yet but I'm working on it and it's going to take time. I think all too often we, we sometimes get caught up with um, sort of the instantness of the way our, our life is. But the fact of the matter is a lot of the things that we want to achieve take time. I mean, you don't go into Marine boot camp and say, I know everything I know in the first hour. In fact, <laughs> From all the all the videos of of what happens in the first hour when you get to boot camp, I think you quickly learn that you don't know anything. Yeah, and you're doing everything wrong. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you could speak to that more than I can. I again, I've I've only watched it. I haven't lived it. 
No, you, but you know, you, you, you make a great point because actually in all honesty, the worst thing you can do is show up to, to Marine Corps boot camp thinking, you know, anything. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Because they, they, they will correct you quick, fast and in a hurry on that one. <laughs> um, no, I love it. I love it. So, uh, folks want to add, uh, to, to the, the book sales. You said it's only been out a little, uh, over a week at this point. By yeah. the time this airs, we're probably maybe a little over two weeks. Uh, we want to add to those numbers. Um, how can people find out more about you, get a copy of the book, uh, you know, chat with you, book you for services. Uh, how can people find out all things Xander Sprague? All right. Well, if you xandersprague.com, that's Xander with a Z, and I'll just spell it out. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes, but if you're listening, it's Z-A-N-D-E-R, S as in Sam, P as in Paul, R as in Rag, A as in Apple, G as in Gus, U as in Union, E as in Egg.com. And if you go there, you can leave me messages. Uh, you can see the books. You can click on the links. Uh, if you want to go to Amazon and look up either Xander Sprague or Epic Begins with One Step Forward, you'll find the book there. It's also available in all of your usual book retailing uh, places. I appreciate everyone's support. I would love to hear uh, what your listeners Think about the book. Uh, if there's a way that I can help you step into your epic or help your company create that epic workspace that you desire, reach out and contact me. Love it. Love it. And uh, your podcast is on there as well? Uh, my podcast, actually, the epic podcast will be coming out. Uh, I haven't started it up yet because I was kind of busy with the book, but that is starting up really soon. Um not not yet, right? Not yet. Exactly. Not not yet. Love it. Love it. Well, Xander, look, uh, again, I've loved this conversation. I really appreciate you and everything that you're doing. I uh, love the work. Uh, thank you for spending the time with me and my listeners. And, uh, you know, I wish you all the best. You bet. Thank you so much. And what I'd like to leave everyone with is epic choices lead to epic lives. Well, all right, folks, there you have it. Another great show about responsible leadership. I really appreciate you listening. And if you have any feedback for me, please reach out at earl at leadershipphalanx.com. That's E-A-R-L at leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X.com. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing the show so these messages can spread further and make a bigger impact. With that... I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement. 
where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Electricast.